Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it's Wednesday. Alabama's playing LSU in basketball this evening. How are we feeling about it? Pretty good, uh, considering the, the, the losing streak. Uh, I, I just tend to think the season is, is, is a roller coaster. It's not a carousel ride that looks the same uh, all year long. It's up and down, and you're going to have times of the season you play your best, times of the season you play your worst. And uh, and Alabama just needs one good thing to happen, and they can they they can turn it around. Uh, this is a great part of the schedule to do it. If you beat LSU tonight, maybe you have some confidence going into a very winnable home game against Missouri and a very winnable road game against Georgia. So what I'm hoping is a uh, one win tonight turns into three wins, and then the record looks better, everybody's feeling better, and you get on with the rest of the season. And you hope you hope that you play your best basketball at the end. Because if you're playing great right now, what uh, what an idiot like me would be saying is if you're playing great, I'd be like, oh man, couldn't we have saved this for March? Because I, I don't know that we're going to play this well for a whole nother, you know, three months. So so let's uh, let's save it for the end. And, and, and hopefully that's, uh, that's what's going to happen. The bounce back starts tonight. You play your best basketball in mid-March. You know, LSU is a better team than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be. Um, yep. And, you know, I, what are they ranked? Like number 13 or 14 13. somewhere? Yeah, yeah so, 13. Yeah, they're 15 and 2. Going to be a tough test, but I completely agree. Now, what happens? Because LSU is a good team, where do you go? What are your thoughts, you know, very quickly on, you know, what if Alabama loses tonight and, and the losing streak drops to four? Let's just put that out there and say if that ends up happening, are you starting to freak out or are you still okay? Uh, you're still okay because what, what you have to look at is, I mean, the thing is make the tournament, make the tournament Yep. and, and seating's helpful. Seating's important, but make the tournament. That's the overriding thing. A loss tonight does not knock Alabama out of the tournament. Uh, it would mean a second really bad loss because it's a home loss, but the home losses have been to Auburn, who's potentially number one and, and LSU, you know, who's, who's 13. Uh, losses to highly ranked teams do not affect your 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 chances of getting in the tournament. Uh, heck, the, the road loss to Missouri was probably worse uh, than those home losses. So it wouldn't be uh, crippling. It wouldn't be, uh, you know, it wouldn't put Alabama in a hole, but it would really put a lot of pressure on you to win the games you should, uh, which are these next two games, the, the home game against Missouri and the road game against Georgia. So uh, I, I'm going to panic when Alabama's falling out of the NCAA tournament projections, and, and they're not at this time. Completely agree. Uh, there are going to be some fans that freak out. That's, oh, yes. That's inevitable, oh, yeah. but we got to sit here and calm the masses, keep everybody calm. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Every, yeah, everything's going to be fine, but that's not what we're here to talk about today, and we're not the basketball guys. I know that you could hang. I certainly yeah. couldn't. I could give a very surface <laughs> level what happened. At some point, we'll probably get Hunter Johnson on here and see if I can't get him on here to at least do a basketball podcast with either you, me, or both of us. That's where you're going to really start getting into some of that knowledge. Um, I'm publicly putting that out there so people can put pressure on Hunter to join us, which I'm sure he wouldn't mind. I mean, he's a very great, did a lot of stuff with him back at the Tuscaloosa News, and we were on the Bama Beat podcast together, and some of my favorite memories as far as the Tuscaloosa News are concerned, I have a lot of them, but was sitting around listening, you know, I had to be there because I was also the producer of the podcast, but wouldn't be actually talking, but just would be in the same room with Hunter Johnson and Cecil Hurt when they'd be talking Alabama basketball and just feeling like a fly on the wall and getting to see how, getting to see how things are made behind the scenes was always so much fun. So getting to talk to Hunter about some 
updated Alabama basketball news at some point for those that are big fans. We're certainly going to do that, but we're here to talk about the, you know, yesterday we talked about all the offensive positions and the turnover that Alabama suffered, whether you're talking about, you know, guys choosing to be early entrants into the NFL draft, whether you're talking about transfer portal, whether you're talking about just normal graduation rates, which something happened yesterday, and we'll go ahead and touch on it a little bit because it does change things. It is an offensive position, but, and that's Kendall Randolph choosing to exercise his extra year of eligibility due to COVID. He's going to be coming back. My initial thought was, okay, um, tight end makes a lot of sense, but then you start looking at it and he was projected to be the starting right tackle all the way up until like a couple of days before the game. And then I remember you were one of the first people that brought up that you had heard that Chris Owens was making the switch from center to right tackle ends up starting against Miami. And then, you know, Ken Randolph ended up being that, that big body blocking tight end for the remainder of the season or the entirety of the season. Jimmy, is that what you think maybe is going to happen here? You think he's being brought back more so to provide a veteran presence and depth along the offensive line? Do you think he's going to be tight in or yesterday you were talking about maybe moving another offensive lineman to tight end to get that same kind of, uh, you know, benefit. Now you got Kendall Randolph back, so you don't have to do that. So what are your thoughts on him coming back? Well, he could really benefit us in the same role he's been playing the last two years. Uh, just just the extra blocking tight end on short yardage. Echo might see him even a little more, you know, tied in in regular sets in the sense that there's going to be a concerted effort to get the running back outside. I mean, Brian Robinson was an inside runner. He's the one that's had the majority of the carries all this previous season. Jameer Gibbs is more of, of a guy that wants to bounce it outside, beat people to the corner. Maybe you see Kendall Randolph a little bit in that role. Uh, he certainly has already proven he can help us in the short yardage. That's good. What's more interesting to me is the offensive line situation. It's the most unsettled position group we have, in my opinion. It's uh, the one with the most question marks. He's a veteran guy. Uh, I think this may raise some eyebrows, but what I'm what I'm looking at, Clint, is maybe maybe he's the Chris Owens of of 2022. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean. Not a lot of people expected Chris Owens to come back, but Owens not only comes back for his super senior year, he's a starter uh, and, and starts all season. And, and I'm not projecting right now that Randolph is a starting offensive lineman, but I don't think people should rule that out. Here's what I'll say about that, because I completely agree with you. I do think that he's going to start off being in the competition for the, for one of those starting spots along the offensive line. That's just my opinion. You know, he was in the competition and ended up getting beat out prior to last season, ends up playing that tight end offensive line hybrid role, uh, wearing a different number, wearing 85. And I could see that happening if he ends up getting beat out again. But I also believe that he's going to play a lot of offensive line, and they're going to see if he ends up being the starter. Should fans be concerned? Because, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but, you know, it was like Alabama put a huge emphasis on having these veteran guys, guys who have experience. Um, You know, Chris Owens was that guy this year. In past seasons, what would have happened? He would have been out out of eligibility. You would have seen, you know, J.C. Latham or Damian George or Amari Kite. They would have gotten inserted at right tackle, and it would have had to have been let the rough edge drag. You know, let them figure it out. They're going to struggle early on. But then by the end of the season, the talent, the experience is now there, a lot more so than it was at the beginning, but now the talent's starting to shine through, and now you're getting really good play from that position. Are you worried that Alabama could be putting themselves in a situation they're wanting to value and get production from, like, the right tackle spot? And I'm not saying that this is exactly what they're, you know, foreseeing. I'm just saying if they do view it this way, do you think that it could be limiting for Alabama as far as their, you know, outlook on the offensive line as a whole? Yeah, yeah, Uh I, I hope I, what my hope is, is that, that he's a safety valve is, hey, we think J.C. Latham's going to be ready to be a tackle. We think Tommy Brockermeyer is going to be ready to play uh, next season. We think Javion Cohen can successfully move to tackle. We think all those things, but we don't know them. At least we'll have Kendall Randolph, who we know knows the spot, knows the offense. He's a veteran. We trust Kendall Randolph to know what to do. He might not be the most physically gifted kid in the world. And I'm just being honest. I say, look, he's been there. This will be a sixth year. If you're there six years and you're not a full-time every down starter, you probably aren't among the most gifted guys 
on your unit, but he is at least a safety valve if Latham's not ready to play tackle, if Cohen can't make the switch, if Tommy Brockermeyer's not ready, uh, then maybe a Randolph competes with another veteran like Amari Kite, and, and, and those two guys should know the spot, know the position, know what to do, and, uh, and then the best player wins. But I, I, what, what I hope uh, we're not seeing it myself, just speaking for myself, what I hope we're not seeing is, well, the veteran, if he agrees to come back, you know, we need to give him a starting spot. That doesn't really sound like Nick Saban. Uh, and, and I think I think that would be the concern that, that fans have is him being rewarded for coming back. I, I sort of look at it like, no, no, he's already got his role as the, the short yardage blocking tight end. And maybe that role can increase a little bit. But in terms of what he does bring, he is a nice safety valve if, if all of the plans for tackle just don't work out. That is a great way to put it. And I completely agree. And, and I think at the very least, you know, you have that guy who you know, you could end up trusting if you had to, you know, if you, it was a situation we saw Damian George get thrown into the fire. We saw him play. Okay. Against New Mexico state. We saw him play. Okay. In the second half against Arkansas looked, you know, he really struggled against Auburn in the iron bowl. And so you had Chris Owens, who you could go back to and say, Hey, at least we know what we're getting with this guy that, you know, you could find yourself in a similar situation with Kendall Randolph, but at the very least, and the other side of this is the tight end. You know, if he ends up playing tight end, which is I ultimately think he's going to be in the competition to start along the offensive line. Personally, I believe there's going to be a lot of growth from a lot of players. Um, you know, J.C. Latham and Amari Kite and Damian George, and I think they'll end up finding a good starting five. Um, and if that ends up happening, he goes back to playing the same role he was before. But now you got to look at it and you say, okay, you know, we were talking yesterday about Robbie Oots being a great blocking tight end. And we talked about Cameron Latou being a good blocking tight end. He's going to be a balanced guy. You're going to see him be the starter. He's going to get flexed a little bit. Uh, you're going to see him in line a little bit. But he's not like a dynamic receiving threat. So now that you throw Kendall Randolph in the mix, and that's three tight ends now. And I just wonder if it will somewhat, you know, I wouldn't say hinder Robbie Oots' development, but just something that I've been kind of thinking about, uh, okay, how does this affect other guys? I do think it's big that he's coming back because you knew, you know what you're getting in him. You know he can be productive as far as being a run blocker. He's, he is very limited as far as being a pass catcher. Um, he was a former offensive lineman for a reason. Not saying he can't do it. It's just I don't think they're going to give him any opportunities to do it. He's pretty much an extra blocker when he goes in. So I will be curious to see how the whole tight end dynamic ends up shaking out. In the meantime, though, in the spring and then fall camp, you know, my guess is that Ken Randolph will be predominantly playing offensive line, and so those other players will get a chance to kind of prove themselves and, and earn their spot. I'll just be curious to see how it all ends up playing out and where he ends up fitting into the mix. So, Jimmy, are you ready to move on to the defensive positions? Let's do it. All right, we'll start with the defensive line. Not a whole lot of turnover here, Jimmy. Uh, you got Fedarian Mathis, which is a big loss. He was the interior pass rusher for Alabama. You had the great exterior duo in Will Anderson Jr. and Dallas Turner. You know, they're both going to be coming back, combined for 26 sacks last year. We'll talk about them more here in just a second. But one of the big parts that made Alabama's defense so tough to defend down the stretch at times was the fact that you had the edge pressure that was crashing and causing issues. Uh, on the exterior, and then when quarterback tried to step up in the pocket, you had guys like Fedarian Mathis. You know, really, he was the main guy. There were a couple others. You know, Byron Young provided some interior pass rush, but uh, Fedarian Mathis was the you know nine sack second on the team. Great interior pass rusher as far as what he gave Alabama this year. You're also losing LeBron Ray, who had injury problems throughout his career, but a veteran presence ended up you know helping out some down the stretch. What are your thoughts on the defensive line that returns a lot of talent? I mean, a couple of years ago, we saw a lot of true freshmen getting reps really before they were ready. That caused issues back then, but now they're all ready to be veteran presences. What do you expect from the defensive line? Yeah, just uh, just one big loss. Mathis is a huge loss. He was a senior. He could have returned with a COVID year, but but that would have been ridiculous. Uh, he, he's ready to play pro football. He, I, I think he's going to be a standout at the Senior Bowl. I think right now he's you see him most often projected in the third round. I, I, I think he solidifies himself into the, in the second round with a great senior bowl week. Uh, and uh, so, so we'll see that in a couple of weeks. Uh, LeBron Ray, unfortunately, is a much of a loss in the sense he didn't play a ton of snaps. Uh, 
you know, as everybody knows, he's fought a a tremendous injury situation for like three years now. He just hasn't been able to get healthy and contribute a ton because he didn't play a ton of snaps. And and I I wouldn't consider that a big loss. Uh, In terms of what returns, I I like put the defensive line into three groups. Um, The first group is the, the guys who have played guys I would consider returning starters. And there's really four of them and you're like well how can you have four returning starters when there's only three defensive line positions really well well i'm two just saying in some four, cases yeah 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 and two in a lot of cases four guys have played a lot of snaps at alabama with the first team uh byron young has played a ton of snaps with the first team so has dj dale so has tim smith and to a lesser extent but still true justin and Boydby. those four guys have played a ton with the ones in the games that have mattered. And they've done it for more than one season. These four guys are really veteran dudes. They, they've played a lot of snaps. So to me, you're almost going to live and die next year with those four. They're experienced veterans, and they're also all good players. Um, now it's on all four of them to take the next step and go from good to great because none of them are great. They're just, I think, all four good to pretty good. But Byron Young can be great. Tim Smith can be great. Uh, DJ Dale can be better. Justin Aboyby can be better. Uh, I think those are your four building blocks, your four main guys. The second group are the returning guys uh, who, who are on the team but haven't played a lot, but they're also not freshmen. Guys like uh, Jamil Burroughs and Jamarian Latham, uh, even Stefan Wynn. Uh, you know, these are guys that have been in the program. They, they, they should know what they're doing. It's time for them to make a step or, or, or play somewhere else, frankly. Uh, I think this is the most interesting group because it's like uh, it's kind of do or die for them. I mean, are y'all guys going to be significant players here or never play? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sure the coaches speak to them in more harsh terms than that, uh, but that's really the question about that group. I, I call them the veterans who haven't really played. Burroughs, Latham, Wynn. Uh, Braylon Ingram, uh, who, who was hurt a lot of this past year. The third group is a large group that's fun and they're gravy, but to me, they're the freshmen. We redshirted a large contingent of freshman defensive linemen, and now we got three new guys coming in. But guys like Damon Payne and Monkel Goodwine, uh, Tim Keenan, who's lost a lot of what, weight and looks like a million bucks. Then you have an incoming freshman like Curtis Perry or, or, or Isaiah Hastings. That's a large group of freshmen. Myself, personally, I'm not counting on any of them, but it sure would be fun. It'd be some nice gravy if one or two of those freshmen were too good to keep out of the lineup. But that's how I kind of break down the whole group. And that's a great way to break it down, man. I, I love it. I completely agree. There's some unknowns with that freshman group, not just the true freshmen, but the redshirt freshmen. I mean, the, both Monkel Goodwan and Damon Payne, both of those two guys were very highly rated, very highly recruited players. Both, I think, can fill a void as far as being an interior pass rusher, a lot of explosion off the ball, great hand usage from those guys. Um, didn't get to see much of either of them, so it's very tough. I mean, the two combined for three snaps this past season on defense. I mean, you just you have very limited to go off of, and, and with practice, I think we got to see the first two or three before uh, practices were shut down to the media. And so, you know, I did watch Damon Payne a little bit. I thought he looked pretty good, but just didn't see a whole lot of him. I will be very curious to see how those two guys are developing. Those are the two that stand out to me. I completely agree is the top four. You're going to have rotation there. Alabama typically likes to have more than just, you know, three or four defensive linemen rotating in. Now, them going a lot of nickel rabbits, which they're going to a lot because they have two dominant exterior pass rushers. Uh, you might only see two guys at a time, which means that now you're going too deep with those four players. You might not see a whole lot more than that, but Byron Young, to me, he is next year's version of Fedarian Mathis, where he doesn't get a whole lot of recognition. He does a lot of things pretty well. Um, You know, very similar to maybe a Dalvin Tomlinson, where it's just a rock-solid run defender, better interior pass rusher than probably given credit for, and ends up being a very highly valued guy for the NFL, got drafted in the, the second round, played for the New York Giants for forever, ended up being a very highly coveted free agent signing for the Vikings. I, I love Byron Young, rock-solid run defender, better interior pass rusher, or better pass rusher in general. He plays out on the edge a little bit um, when they're going more of their, you know, have three defensive linemen on the field, 
And then you got, you know, Will Anderson, typically Byron Young is the other defensive end, the base defensive end that's supposed to be more of a run-stopping, you know, edge player, but ends up having a rush off the edge sometimes because offenses pass it in those situations from, from time to time. But Tim Smith, to me, has by far the highest ceiling of any of the defensive linemen on the roster, really showed improvement this year. If he continues on this trajectory, he's going to be a very, very good player. It's just taken him a lot longer last year, going into last year, he was the guy that I thought he's going to take a huge step. He's going to become a dominant force. Ended up not happening, but still believe in his talent. DJ Dell's more of a run stopper. I know he got the sack in the playoffs. You're not going to see a whole lot of that from him. But Justin Aboyby really hadn't taken that next step, but a steady player, you know, has some interior pass rushing ability, and he's now going to be a senior. When you look at this defensive line, three seniors and a junior, and guys who have seen a lot of snaps, the veteran experience is absolutely there. You're going to combine that with having two dominant pass rushers on the edge and Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, really good group up front, but it's a matter of determining, okay, how does your depth start to shake out? And I think you got a lot of great run stoppers. I think that's going to be fine. I think Alabama is going to continue to have one of the better run defenses in the country. It's a matter of establishing that complimentary interior pass rusher. And it's something that I think Alabama needs to put an emphasis on going into spring training. All right, next on the list is the edge rushers. You lose Christopher Allen, you lose Drew Sanders, you lose King Wakuda. You already got used to life without Chris Allen. We've already talked about that. Drew Sanders ends up hurting uh, a little bit. He was going to be the first guy off the bench, but was only playing a handful of snaps down the stretch in the final seven games. What are your thoughts on the outside linebackers? It's amazing to me. Boy, did Alabama accumulate some talent here because Alabama has lost talent. I mean, I mean, part of this exercise is discussing what 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 left the building. And and Drew Sanders, uh, to me, uh, is an all SEC candidate next season. Had he returned to Alabama and was a full time starter, I would say he's an all SEC candidate. Uh, but he he wanted to start. He wanted to be a featured player. He wanted to be the guy. And that was not going to happen with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. I, I think that situation is far more simple than people have uh, have made it out to be. Uh, Drew Sanders has a dream of playing in the NFL at outside linebacker, and uh, and that's probably going to happen for him. Uh, he doesn't want to move to tight end. He he wants to play linebacker, and uh, and he wants to start. And those things weren't going to happen at Alabama. So, you know, Drew Sanders is is an example of the portal working at its best. He, he, his spot at Alabama just isn't available. It's available somewhere else. And 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 while it hurts Alabama depth-wise, it doesn't hurt Alabama in the starting lineup. You keep Will Anderson and Dallas Turner healthy, you don't even know that Drew Sanders is gone. Frankly, uh, it, it, he's his absence will only be noticed in case of injury. Uh, Imwakuda was just never going to play at Alabama, uh, certainly not with, uh, with, with what's ahead of him on the depth chart still a pretty good player. I think he's going to Arkansas State playing for Butch Jones. I think that's a great choice because he's going to get on the field and he's going to get on the field quickly. And contrary to popular opinion, if you're a complete badass football player at Arkansas State, you do get your shot in the NFL. You can get to the NFL from there. Uh, and, and then, of course, Chris Allen uh, more or less timed out. He, he could have come back and played one more season from the uh, COVID but uh, I don't know that he would have played all the snaps that he wanted. He'd have had to have shared time at best with Dallas Turner. Uh, he's also an older kid. I think he's 23. He's going to probably would have turned 24 or something during this, during uh, another season at Alabama. It's just time for him to give the NFL a shot, even though he won't be drafted too high just because of a lack of game tape and, and, and all the injuries he's had. But in terms of what Alabama brings back outside, uh, the best outside linebacker duo in college football, Dallas Turner and Will Anderson set the school record for 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 a duo uh, with a number of sacks, uh, edging ahead of of even uh, Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. Um, they'll they'll be the best duo in college football. We just got to keep them healthy. I do think the depth is a bit of an issue now, losing those three players. They did. I think uh, uh, Chris Braswell is excellent depth. I think uh, Keanu Coat becomes an interesting third down player next year. And then Jeremiah Alexander is going to show up, I think, ready to play. Won't surprise me at all if he's playing with the ones in some capacity because just how talented he is. He's a lot like Dallas Turner a year ago. You watch Dallas Turner tape and Jeremiah Alexander tape, you, you might think you're looking at the same kid. Uh, the, the, they're just very similar, and they're also very similar intangibles-wise. Those guys play quickly. Uh, I will just say one, one, 
word of warning is just the the deep depth. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't hurt my feelings to see Alabama find an outside linebacker uh, in the uh, in the late period. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't have a name to give you. I don't know that Alabama's doing that. I'm just saying Jimmy's concerned about the deep depth. I'm not talking about next season. Next season will be fine. I'm really talking about the season after that. I mean, I mean because you're obviously going to be losing Will after his third year, Dallas after his third year. You probably need to start building back some depth in that room. You would. Um, and the good part about it is how well they've recruited the position. What's interesting is that there was like this uh, – this stigma or the stigmatism as some people would like to put it um, <laughs> about Alabama pass rushers, the fact that they don't develop them well, or they hadn't been developing them well, that has been completely changed. You know, you bring in Will, Will Anderson. He has a fantastic freshman season. He takes a huge step forward in his second year, which is exactly what you want to see. Then you bring in Dallas Turner. He ends up getting on the field, premier pass rushing talent coming out of high school, he ends up having eight, uh, you know, I think it was eight and a half sacks is where he finished, which it was better than even Will Anderson from the season before. And so they're developing talent. And, and what I like about Jeremiah Alexander, you know, you look at Dallas Turner, he's a perfect example. That is a guy who, if no one gets hurt last year, he's sitting down there, you know, what, fifth on the depth chart? Because right. you, you have Will Anderson, you have Christopher Allen, you have Drew Sanders, you have, uh, you know, Chris Braswell, who was, you know, they were expecting to get some pass rushing reps in there. So, I mean, he might have been fifth on the depth chart, and you would have never seen him. But what we figured out is even though he had a little bit of growing pains early in the season, he was a guy who was ready to play. That's what I think Alabama's getting in Jeremiah Alexander, and that's why I'm not super worried about the depth. I think that, you know, you got roughly about 1,200 snaps coming back between Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner only ended up playing, I think, about 37% of the defensive snaps this year. Now, granted, a lot of that was the beginning of the season. He wasn't a starter. He wasn't seeing a whole lot of reps but I would say he probably played about half the reps once he became a starter because they were, you know, not going nickel rabbits. They didn't have two outside linebackers on the field. They had Byron Young or somebody out there, you know, LeBron Ray, someone else out there on the edge, you know, in run situations. He was more of a, a pass rusher in his first season, but I like what they have with those two guys. I love what they have with Chris Braswell, but if you end up having, if something happens with your depth and you have to start working into it a little bit, I think Coat is an interesting situational guy. I think no matter what ends up happening, you're probably not starting him on early downs. I think he's still too small. He needs to continue to get bigger and stronger and work that strength and conditioning program. But I think uh, Jeremiah Alexander is a guy who could end up coming in and proving to be quality depth player. And then you got Jahad Campbell with the with, and we'll talk more about the linebackers here in a second. But I was very convinced he was going to start out on the edge, and I still think that's going to happen. But I think that moved off ball linebacker is not outside of the realm of possibility earlier in his career mostly because of all the losses Alabama has suffered at off-ball linebacker. But we'll have to wait and see. You still got Quandarius Robinson, former you know top 75 prospect, interesting player, not really that big, but he's long, he's lean, and he's got some talent as well. So I'm not concerned about the group whatsoever. If something ends up happening to like a Dallas Turner, then I think you go a lot more base with three defensive linemen on the field and then you're using Chris Braswell in pass rushing situations. And I think that that's not ideal, but it's not, you know, a complete liability either. Um, and then, you know, who knows what ends up happening with Jeremiah Alexander. So I guess we'll now move on to the off-ball linebackers because I thought it was absolutely huge that Henry Toto chose to come back. You end up losing Christian Harris. You lose Jalen Moody. You lose Shane Lee. All three of those guys, you know, Jalen Moody there for a while was considered uh, you know, projected starter before Tuoto decided to transfer in. Shane Lee had started an entire season. He was going, you know, into I think his third year. So twenty, yeah, it's actually his fourth year in the program. Uh, Jackson Braden was a depth guy, you know, tackle machine instincts, but really was probably never going to see the field for Alabama. Uh, so you lose four different off-ball linebackers. You still got some talent returning. Love the upside of Deontay Lawson. Think he's going to be a phenomenal player for Alabama. He was 6'2", about 217 pounds coming out of high school. Now he's closing in on 230. That's the size that you're looking for. He can run. He can hit. Where's the number 32? It's not the same kind of player as maybe a, a Rashawn Evans, but when you start looking, or, or even a Dylan Moses, but from the run, run instincts, hit ability, all those things, very similar to, you know, a C.J. Mosley or a, you know, Rashawn Evans or, 
a, a Dylan Moses, other players who have worn the number 32 for Alabama. What are your thoughts on Alabama's off-ball linebackers as a whole? Yeah, uh, the depth is my, is my concern. I love the starters. Henry coming back is huge. Uh, I think his leadership and, and, and what he does, what, you know, with making the line calls, weirdly, I mean, if, if they both come out, Christian would be drafted higher, maybe even much higher, two or three rounds higher, maybe. But if only one could come back, I'd pick Henry. And that's because his leadership, uh, his experience at Mike, his experience making the calls, I think make him a more valuable player to Alabama than Christian, despite Christian's upside athletically. So Henry coming back is big. Uh, and, and, and one of the reasons I'm so comfortable with, with it, Henry coming back and not Christian is because of Deontay Lawson. I, I think Henry's the leader. He makes the calls. He gets everybody set. He does his job and it frees up Deontay Lawson to play sideline to sideline. And, and that's, that's how I would describe his ability. Uh, I think Lawson, once he's out there, every snap will be all over the place. A very versatile kid. Uh, he can play inside the tackle box and hit people. He has range outside the tackle box to run down backs, to run down quarterbacks who scramble. He even has the ability to drop and, and cover uh, his zone area. He can play man on some tight ends. Uh, he can run with the back out of the backfield on wheel routes. Um, he, he's just a very athletic kid, but a real defender, a real linebacker. He is a hitter. He's physical, and he will be a leader. He's a great kid intangibles-wise. He's, he's a great kid in the locker room and would be a great kid to have on the field. I'm super excited about Lawson being a starter alongside Toho Toho. But the losses, the number of losses is big. To lose Christian Harris, Shane Lee, Jayla Moody, and Jackson Bratton, literally half of the inside linebacker room is gone. And you've really only put one new guy in there and Sean Murphy, who I believe will probably play as a freshman. I, I, I think Sean Murphy might be that kind of inside linebacker who uh, who plays with the ones, at least some snaps. Um, I, I, his intangibles are good. He's a smart kid. He's an, a real linebacker. Sort of reminds me a little bit of Deontay Lawson when I watch his tape. So I think Sean Murphy will play. I think Kendrick Blackshire might be a future starter at the position. He's got to learn to be a, a disciplined player. No doubting his size, his physical skills. He'll be a significant dude inside. I'm still somewhat high on Demoy Kennedy, who spent this past year at running back. He's going to have to probably transition back to inside linebacker and learn that spot sort of over again. Uh, he's a guy I think can provide some depth, but just in terms of overall numbers there, Clint, uh, and, and, and Jihad Campbell may, may start out at inside linebacker. He'll probably play both spots in his career at Alabama. He can play inside. I think his best spot is outside, but he can play inside and be effective. Um, inside linebacker is a spot that, again, uh, I think they should look at the late period just to add depth to the room. I would even consider, I think the depth is such a question, Clint, I would consider looking to the portal, not see every kid you get out of the portal doesn't have to be Ricks and Gibbs and, and Jamison Williams. Um, some kids get out of the portal can be Carl Tucker. If you remember him from, from two years ago, the tight end from North Carolina who just basically showed up to provide some depth to that room. Uh, I think maybe getting an inside linebacker that can compete with Deontay Lawson, but uh, also just, adds a, a quality body to the room in case of injury. Uh, I have no idea. I don't have a name to give you, but I'm just saying there are inside linebackers in the portal good enough to help you on special teams, good enough to compete, good enough to break glass in case of emergency. Uh, if Alabama has the room scholarship-wise, I don't think it would be wasted adding a senior who's only going to be there for a year uh, just to provide some depth because uh, – there's only six inside linebackers, I think, total on scholarship. That's not very many. It isn't, yeah. And, and that's why I think, you know, in the beginning, because you do have, uh, you know, some question marks as far as your edge depth, and you, you always want to make sure that you have available pass rushers. I think Jihad Campbell plays edge early in his career this year, but I could also see him being a guy who could make that, you know, Rashawn Evans, Dylan Moses type of switch if you remember, you know, Dylan Moses was playing outside linebacker. Rashawn Evans was a situational pass rusher. 
ended up making the move. I know that a lot of people have made those comparisons. That's nothing new. But I think that that could end up happening earlier if you end up having some depth issues at any point this upcoming season at off-ball linebacker. I could totally see, you know, he would be the logical candidate to say, let's make that switch. Quandarius Robinson, maybe, uh, but I doubt it. You know, Drew Sanders would have been one of those guys where if you had issues, you know, you, you maybe think about making that move and getting him on the field if you had to. But uh, Sean Murphy is an interesting player because, to me, good player think he's going to be you know pretty quality i think he plays a lot better coming downhill and stopping the run than he does you know as far as being in coverage which is kind of strange if you look at his like overall body you know size right now that he's i think he's maybe 6'2 215 pounds not an overly big guy but i think by the end of his career he's going to be carrying you know 230 235 240 and he's going to be kind of not really a thumper i think he's going to be more than a thumper but i think that's going to be his bread and butter you know, as being a guy who can really stop the run, get in there and mix things up, can be a very physical player, uh, despite only being 215 pounds. That's why I keep looking at is watching his, his tape is a guy who plays very physical, despite, you know, in some ways looking like a safety right now. So I'll be curious to see how he develops, but I do think that he can end up helping at some point. And I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if he ended up getting on the field for Alabama, whether it be on special teams or whether it be a little bit on defense. Kendrick Blackshire as a player was ripped up physically the physique is is incredible ended up dropping some weight getting down to the low 230s and i think that that's good for him i think from a you know not he's not in some ways when he was really big i kind of viewed him as a little bit more functional uh a more functional athlete than maybe a shane lee but some of the the tightness that i saw with shane lee that kind of hindered his movement skills saw that with kendrick blackshire um, you know, Shane Lee ended up going, I think, from about close to 250 to roughly about 240. Never really got to see how that actually helped him. But with Blackshire getting down to the low 230s, I think that helped his explosiveness. I was watching him practice when we got to go watch a couple of practices. Looked pretty good. Um, and I think that he can end up being a real contributor as well. Uh, the the, the off-ball linebackers, they're in good shape right now. But that's one that can get really thin really quick uh so Alabama needs to be careful needs to make sure that you know I, I, Nick Saban has talked about the portal and how they plan to utilize it and their plan is to add impact players out of it not just add a guy but if you're having depth issues and you're concerned about trying to head that off a little bit maybe that is a place that they turn to as far as you know getting a guy in there because you know if you add just some random kid that you really didn't want in the first place you know out of high school you're not getting a whole lot there. You know, he doesn't have experience. You don't know what he's going to be. You weren't super high on him. If you get somebody out of the portal, at least you got that experience. You know, maybe you go out there and you say, let's go get a key special teams player that can also help us on defense if we needed him to. Something like that. I'll be curious to see how they approach the off-ball linebacker position. But you're 100% correct. They did lose quite a bit through, you know, whether it be departures in any way, transfer portal, NFL draft, you know, whatever. Uh, next position on the list, cornerbacks. Got some turnover here. Josh Job is gone. Jalen Armour Davis is gone. Both those guys heading to the NFL in some ways. I don't think that Alabama fans were super upset by either one of those decisions because Eli Ricks is a guy who had already committed. He's going to be coming in. Fans are super excited about him. Kool-Aid McKinstry, still a lot of upside, former five-star prospect. Kyrie Jackson, you know, you're getting a guy there who has, you know, some starting experience now or some playing experience in the college football playoff, showed some flashes there. Still think there's some work to be done, but I think from a perimeter corner standpoint, which is the only thing that we're talking about right now, we'll get to the stars when we talk about the safeties, but from a perimeter corner standpoint, I think you got three guys who are starting caliber players, and then you got some inexperience, but with Terry and Arnold there, you know, Earl Little's going to be coming in. You got Jacquez Robinson and Traquan Fagans. You got some bodies, um, a little bit of some unknowns, but for, from the, the top three standpoint, great shape at perimeter cornerback. What are your thoughts on not only the players that they lost, which is Josh Job, Jalen Armour Davis, and Marcus Banks. We can't forget that. He, you know, I would have been curious to see how he was viewed, had he stuck around, but they've, they've had some losses, but still have several quality options available to them. Absolutely. Uh, almost dislike my own opinion. I, I, I tend to think that we undervalue guys that left, particularly experienced guys. And 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 Job and, and Jalen Armour Davis, uh, experienced, older veteran guys, both are going to be drafted uh, probably day two 
type draft picks, uh, maybe, you know, third round for both of those guys. So to say that it's not a loss is crazy. These are NFL ready uh, NFL players. It'll be third round picks in the draft. That's a big deal. Yet I can't help but feel like Alabama is going to be better at cornerback because I think uh, it's, it's a longer term projection. You can't be quite as confident in it. But Ricks and, and Kool-Aid McKinstry could be first round picks. Uh, I, I think that Alabama has improved their pure talent at cornerback uh, for next year with Ricks and Kool-Aid being your expected starters. Uh, I think they'll both be outstanding. And, and Kyrie Jackson is very good depth now that he has two starts under his belt uh, physically, such a, such a gifted kid. Uh, I, I think he'll contend for a role uh, and certainly be sort of a first corner off the bench in case of emergency. Terion Arnold, uh, you know, a five-star himself, uh, came in very highly thought of. I don't think there's any reason at all to uh, to not be excited about about Terion Arnold. He may be squeezed out of the rotation again. That that doesn't mean anything about how good that kid might be one day. Uh, I'm still high on him. He, he's a good talent to have. Robinson, uh, a veteran, at least uh, you know, will have been around three years. He knows the scheme, and then two exciting freshmen in uh, in Earl Little and Traquan Fagan. Uh, and I'm excited about both those, particularly Little. Little could be a guy that pop, pop, probably could play right away and help us right away. There's just not a need for it. Uh, there's just so much depth. I wouldn't be surprised to see or a little move around to spend spend the year sort of learning, to spend the year, uh, you know, knowing the scheme, knowing the system, but, but probably athletically could help if Alabama had a rash of injuries there. But I think cornerback uh, looks to be a, a, a position of, strength for Alabama, both in terms of who are the starters and, and then who are the depth guys. It's a great spot. When you look at the experience that Job had, you know, he had plenty of starting experience. Um, Jalen Armour Davis had spent several years in the system. So you had two veteran cornerbacks going into last year. And when you lose both those two guys who were expected to be your starters and were a starter for a majority of the season, then you start to say, okay, man, Alabama doesn't have a lot of experience behind them. But because you add Eli Ricks, who has several starts as well, has played a lot of snaps, played I think three hundred, just under 350 this past season, but also the year before, if he was a five-star prospect that was coming out of high school and had zero experience and you were banking on that guy being a starter and you don't know what you're going to get, kind of like you didn't with Kool-Aid, very talented, but a young player, made some mistakes, had some growing pains, then I think that you would be very concerned. But adding that veteran presence, a guy who has been there, done that, winning a lot of good receivers and had a lot of success, I think that bodes well for one cornerback spot. Then you were able to get, you know, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry a handful of starts because of injuries and problems at, at those, you know, with, with Jalen Armour Davis and with Josh Job, including the college football playoff. And he didn't perform great. He had some good moments. He's still a guy that's growing, but I think that was great for his confidence. I think that was great for his experience and just knowing what it's like to play in big games. That's going to help him. And then Kyrie Jackson had, had gotten some, you know, action on the Juco level had now, you know, he played a lot against Cincinnati in the semifinals. He started against Georgia in the national championship game. So now you got some experience there as well. And so even though they lost two very veteran players, you feel great about their experience and their overall talent. If it was just the talent, it'd be concerning. If it was just the experience, it would be concerning. But the reason I'm so high on this group is that you have a combination of both and you can go three deep at two spots. And I like that ability. And then you also got Earl Little, who is going to be able to go, come in and learn from a guy like Eli Ricks and a guy like Kool-Aid McKintree and a guy like Kyrie Jackson as well, as far as how it needs to be done. And I think that will help him. So I like the overall makeup of the cornerback group. think they're going to be just fine there. And I'm not going to say it's super deep, but one of the big issues that I've had with Alabama's cornerbacks the last couple of years, you know, it really just going into this past year, uh, even though, uh, you know, behind Patrick Sertan and Josh Job, even Jalen Armour Davis was not a super well-known guy. So I guess it was the last couple of years really is I've liked the starters pretty well, but I've been concerned about how deep can you go. And Marcus Banks answered the call when he got put in. And them adding Kool-Aid McKinstry made me feel a lot better about their depth. But this year, I feel way better about the depth. And I'm, there's nothing being sacrificed with the, with the front-line guys. So I think that's pretty big. Uh, the final position that we'll talk about, the uh, safety star position, both of those. You got two starting safeties. Jordan Battle chose to return for a senior season. So did DeMarco Hellums. I felt like that was the right decision by both. 
Brian Branch is going to be back for his third season. You got Malachi Moore. So you got a lot of players here um, who have starting experience, who have played a lot of snaps. I mean, just look at the snap counts. Jordan Battles at 964, so almost played, uh, you know, he played 96% roughly of Alabama snaps this past season. DeMarco Hellams, despite dealing with some injury stuff early, played over 75% of the total snaps. Brian Branch and Malachi Moore, 624, 495. So, you know, you got Jordan Battle, you got DeMarco Hellams. Those are your two starters. You're losing Daniel Wright. That's really the only one that you're losing. I don't think that's a huge loss by any means. I thought he did get better this past year, but think that Alabama will be fine because if something happens to either one of those safeties, because you have two quality star players, you can move one of those to safety and still get quality production from there. So you've got some depth at that spot. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the safeties and the stars? Yeah, really uh, four, four returning starters, four guys that you feel real good about. I mean, Battle and Helms, uh, now a ton of experience. Uh, leaders, particularly Battle, great that the traffic cop in the secondary is coming back, just like the traffic cop in the front seven is coming back. That's huge, huge for the defense. Also, Battle and Helms, I think as good as they are, because they're both good players, particularly Battle. They've both been good. There's still steps for them to take. I can see Battle and Helms being better players uh, next year. Uh, They can both be better, particularly in coverage, particularly in terms of playmaking. But returning both starters, both are leaders, both are seniors, and then having the depth uh, behind them in Branch and and Malachi Moore, who could could play for either one of them should they get hurt. And in the meanwhile, they can man the specialty spots. Uh, Branch, sort of a returning starter at Star, played really well down the stretch. Uh, he's a guy I would like to see take a big step in terms of playmaking. I think he's a good player, and he's been fine. Uh, it's only because of, I, I think, so much of his athleticism and ability. I think he can be a better player than what he's shown us. Uh, Malachi had a very strange year uh, where he, he was sort of playing a bigger role as a freshman. I think the injury he suffered in the spring probably had a lot to do with him falling behind uh, and, and sort of ends up sharing the star spot with a branch. Uh, but regardless, with both of them returning and so many other returning DBs, this is the way I see it. Uh, Nick Saban's probably going to disagree with me when he listens to this podcast. This will be one of many disagreements he has with me. But the way mm-hmm. I look at it is I like Branch so much at star, I-, I would just leave him at star and Malachi be the sixth guy. However, Malachi, I don't think you'd want to play him at money because of his size. So when you go to six DBs, maybe Branch goes to money and Malachi comes in and plays star uh, when, when you need that sixth defensive back. But that would give Alabama six very experienced, very good defensive backs. I just love their front six. Uh, I think it's great. They even have some depth at safety. I think Christian Story may be one of the best players on the team that doesn't get to play. Uh, I, I think Story's ready to play. I think he might be ready to be a starter, particularly next year. There's just no room. Hopefully he sticks with it and stays with Alabama and doesn't follow his younger brother who's going to end up maybe at Clemson or Florida uh, because Christian Story's a good player, and I hope he sticks it out. Uh, the door will be wide open for him the following season with Battle and Hellams moving on after 2022. So I hope he sticks with it. I think he's a good player. Alabama's got other depth there like Devontae Smith, uh, Kane Williams, uh, and, of course, Malachi Moore and Brian Branch can, can also play safety. So – Good depth, a lot of bodies, uh, solid starters, a lot of experience. Uh, the defensive backfield as a whole, just a huge team strength. One of the best defensive backfields in all of college football. Yeah. yeah. I'll be curious to see how it all ends up shaking out with Malachi Moore because I kind of have referred to him as the money guy, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play the money spot. It just means when you bring in the money guy, he's going to be that player that gets brought in. And then you can shuffle things around, and, and you know, DeMarco Hellams could end up playing the money, uh, and you can play Malachi Moore at safety. They, they can end up doing a lot of things, but if you ever hear me refer to Malachi Moore as the money, that's me pretty much saying he's going to be the guy that ends up coming in as that extra defensive back. But I think that he's going to end up having a, a huge bounce back year. I truly believe that. A lot of people, their concern is based off of where he was trending. You know, he started off as the starter. You know, he was dealing with an injury, but over the course of the season, played safety to start the year um, because of the injury to DeMarco Hellams, ends up going back to star. And then slowly, Brian Branch ends up, you know, getting 
about half the reps and then he ends up taking over pretty much all the reps and then Malachi Moore you're just really not seeing him and people have been freaking out and I don't think that it should be cause for concern I think that they just liked what they had found in their combination of players with with Branch being in there he hadn't been a huge playmaker but he's been steady he's been able to get the job done he's been able to get people covered that means he's been perfect but I think that you know Malachi Moore with his positional flexibility to play star or safety they end up finding creative ways to get him on the field, and I think he has a, a big, you know, bounce back year. So we'll just have to see how it all ends up playing out. Jimmy, this has been fun covering all these positions, getting kind of a, a broad overview. We'll dive more into it as the season or the off season, I guess, progresses. But you know, at least I think we've been able to give fans kind of an idea of where the roster stands. They expect maybe a couple of more portal entries. I don't know if it'll happen before spring training. I don't know if it'll happen after, but. Don't be surprised if they end up losing a couple more guys, and I don't think they're done as far as the players they plan to to bring in. Uh, I just don't know how many it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I, I definitely think the portal uh, shopping is not quite finished. So, Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, buddy. Oh, it's fun every time, and uh, we'll get to a uh, mailbag show. Absolutely. That'll probably be, I guess, tomorrow's episode. We already got several questions People are DMing me. Uh, I appreciate that. If you have a question for me or Jimmy or both of us, shoot it to me in a DM. That's probably easiest because I can go back and check my DMs easier than my mentions. Uh, if you want to do it through mentions, I can go back through and, and locate it and, and move it over or whatever. But we'll figure out a way to get them answered. And I know that that's one of our favorite episodes that we do every week, and we certainly look forward to doing that tomorrow. But in the meantime, we appreciate you guys stopping in. This has been another episode of the Bama on 3 show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.